Well, good morning once again to all of you, and we're glad that you're here with us this morning. And uh, you might have noticed, I hope you noticed actually, that when you came in, the seating was different and back to uh, kind of what normal was before uh, COVID changed everything last year. And so I hope you were able to uh, find your assigned seat just fine, wherever your name was etched uh, in the seat ahead of you. I hope you're able to find that. Or uh, today you can start anew and make a new assigned seat, and this will just be yours from here on out. But we are, uh, we are at the end of our series on the life of Timothy, a young man who was quietly living out his faith in Jesus in a city named Lystra, and then Paul comes to that city, and he selects him, he taps him to join his missionary team. And from there, he becomes Paul's go-to guy. And Paul had no one else like him. And our question throughout the series has been, how can I become more useful to the Lord in the work of his kingdom? And maybe you're sick of me asking that question, but I really hope that you've prayed over that question over the last several weeks. And maybe you're coming up blank. And if that's the case, then I would encourage you to ask somebody else what they might see in you. How do you think that I could be more useful? Maybe you need a Paul in your own life to reveal your potential impact to the kingdom. How many lives could be changed by you and the gifts that the Lord has given you? We all have our own unique gifts. We have our own unique calling. Each one of us, whether you believe that or not, you have been uniquely gifted and called by God. And so this morning, I hope that you're praying and asking, God, what is my calling to be useful in the work of your kingdom? And today we're going to wrap up this series and we're going to be talking about sound doctrine. Last week we read from 1 Timothy 4.16 where Paul told Timothy to watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And last week we talked about watching our lives closely in, in the areas of speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. And today we're going to be talking about the second part of that sentence there. The, the second thing that Paul says to watch and that's Our doctrine. Doctrine simply means that which we believe. We need a sound, firm doctrine. And when it comes to our faith and the message we have to share with the world, the question is, what do we believe? What is our doctrine? Why is a sound doctrine so important? Well, Paul said in 2 Timothy 4 that people, they would reject sound doctrine, and they would only listen to what their itching ears wanted to hear. And so this morning, uh, to demonstrate why standing firm on sound doctrine is important, uh, I've asked my staff to come and help me because, well, it's Family Sunday and they don't have anything better to do. And so I said, hey, how about you guys come and help me? So Piper, Luke, and Aubrey, go ahead and, and come on out. Okay, well, Piper, you have shown up. I don't know where everybody else is, but uh, I'm glad that you're here. And uh, Piper, what, where are your pants? What, what is happening I mean, did you know there were going to be people here? Boy, this is inappropriate. Piper, what are we doing? They're just short. See, they're right here. Okay? I mean, like, this is all, like, the style now, Brian. Like, okay, kids, do you agree with me? This is the style, right? Don't I look hip and stylish? I mean, Brian, I teach kids, so I really want to be relatable to the kids. And if this is in fashion, like, this is what I'm going to wear. Plus, my hiking group told me that I look great, and they're all going to go out and buy matching outfits, and then we're going to wear them on all kinds of different occasions. Is your hiking group a bunch of 13-year-olds? Because I don't think this is an appropriate for any occasion. I mean, 
It, it looks like, and you teach kids. Ah, goodness gracious. Uh, so you're, you're coming out like this, and Luke's not even here. Where is Luke? Have you, in Aubrey? I mean, have they, they, I told them, oh, well, at least here's Luke. Okay. I mean, Luke, you know it's the second service, right? Like, we had one before this, and uh, I don't, uh, you're, you weren't here for that. Well, okay, all right. So, uh, okay, so we're talking about sound doctrine. Wait, hold on. Did you say healthy breakfast? Because nothing that you're holding looks healthy here. I, I don't understand what's happening. Fruit, vegetables, apples, potatoes. I, well, I, if you want to get technical, too, we and dairy, because it's got a glaze on it. Yeah. Uh, hold on. All right, so just because it says fruit, it has fruit in the title, does not make it healthy. I mean, you know this, right? That's, I, it says apples right on it. And potato, like hash browns are made from potatoes, fruits and vegetables. We all know that's healthy, right? I, di- I disagree. This is ridiculous. I mean. Okay. Who here would agree that this is a pretty healthy breakfast? Kids? Anybody? Yeah. See? Goodness gracious. Y'all, y'all, need, y'all need Jesus. That's what I mean. Or at least health classes. I, I, I feel really the public school system has failed us most of all. I, I think, I mean, this is crazy. And you are the one that we hired to be our new student minister. I mean, we're going to need some elders to like stand, hang out in the back when he's teaching. Because if this is what he believes about this, I don't know if I can trust him about the gospel. Child obesity is on the rise because of this. All right, so I don't, I don't understand. You're coming out. You're inappropriate. I, you've got no pants on. You come out claiming that this junk is healthy, and Aubrey didn't, couldn't even bother to show up. Where is she? And you're all over us, but you know what? Did you see the video that Aubrey posted last night on TikTok? No, I don't have TikTok because I'm too old for TikTok. I don't understand what they... I mean, by that, for that matter, so is Aubrey. Aubrey's older than me. I think we're off base. Yeah. Okay, so I just happened to have a copy of the video... Please roll the tape for me. It's okay, kids. Ms. Aubrey's just working on her branding. I, I have no, I have no word. What is going on with my staff? I, yeah, uh, this. You know what? She says she has eight followers. Oh well, I mean she. I guess I, 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 I don't know. Maybe it's the kids. I, I, that's no wonder she just like disappeared on Wednesday. She was doing that. I, oh my goodness gracious! You guys need to stop listening to what other people have to tell you. That is not an appropriate outfit for any occasion. That is not healthy, and she is not the big TikTok star. You all need to recalibrate and start listening to what you need to hear. Okay, not what you want to hear. Out there, I, it smells too good. Like, all right, y'all need to leave and, because I got to finish the sermon. Somebody told me I look like Jason Statham last week, so I got to finish the sermon so I can call my agent after the sermon. Oh, wow. Good night. All right, well, sound doctrine. You know, we need some sound doctrine. We need to, he, for, to hear the things that we need to hear, not just what people Tell us to hear, or tell us what we want to hear, right? So many times, we just want to listen. You know, you have friends that, that you need them to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. If you've got a booger hanging out, sometimes you need to hear that, right? Not just, everything's okay, you're great, 
all right? Sound doctrine is important. Our life and our doctrine, they are tied together. And that's why Paul mentions them here together. Our life and our doctrine, they will stand or they will fall together. They are connected. Our message to the world and our testimony, our witness, our doctrine, it will be useless if our lives are shipwrecked by some issue of speech or conduct or love or purity. And a good life will be useless to the advance of the gospel if we lose our grip on the truth of our message. That's why we need this sound doctrine. Our life and our message are so important to the usefulness to the Lord. And so with this in mind this morning, we're going to go back and look at the last letter that that, uh, Paul wrote ever, and that is 2 Timothy. If you have your Bible with you, you can head on over to 2 Timothy chapter 1. That's where we're going to be working through this morning. And so starting in verse 6, uh, we'll be going through it. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, and Paul says, For this reason, so the reason he's talking about is right before this, we covered this on Mother's Day, he talks about the great faith that his grandmother and mother instilled on him, and he could see it. And so Paul says, For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us, does not make us timid, but it gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And this is something that Timothy would know about because he was a timid person. And so he could see where the Spirit of God would make him go past his timidity. And so he can, Paul continues on. So do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me and his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. We we see all throughout the New Testament that God's great purpose is that all people would hear the gospel and come to a saving knowledge of him, saved by grace, and then go on to to live a holy life, which which means becoming more like his son, Jesus. And so Paul continues on. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Paul was confident in the staying and keeping power of Christ. God is sovereign over all. Jesus is Lord of all. And this is true during the good times and during the times of suffering. God God is the same God of the mountain as the God of the valley. And in, this, in light of this passage, we want to answer two questions about sound doctrine and the sound doctrine that Paul was calling Timothy to and that we are called to as well. And so first, what is it? What is this doctrine? And second, how do we watch it closely as Paul has instructed? Well, as we said earlier, our doctrine is that which we believe. And so in your life, which, what are the beliefs that define you? Maybe you and your family have certain rules or beliefs that are just non-negotiable. They are the core beliefs of your family. Things like no screens before homework or don't yuck somebody's yum. That's my family. Uh, Always build each other up. 
mom is always right. I mean, these are just things that are important and understood, and well, there's no arguing against it, right? In this passage we just read, Paul is getting down to the nitty-gritty of our doctrine that he wants Timothy to watch closely. It is the core of our core beliefs. It is the message that we need to share with the world, and it comes in two parts. And the first part is that Jesus destroyed death. Jesus destroyed death. In verse 10, Paul says, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death. That's, that's it. That's the passage right there. That is the essence. That's everything. That's the essence of our doctrine. It, it is what we believe, and it is our message to the world that Jesus has destroyed death. And there have been a lot of people who can claim a lot of things in this world, but nobody in this world can ever claim that they have destroyed death besides Jesus. That is what sets Christianity apart from any other world religion. And it's because of this truth that we have a hope that extends beyond this world. And we have mentioned that, that when Paul wrote these letters, he knew he was about to die. He knew his time on this earth was coming to a close. In 2 Timothy 4, 6-8, he says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. All right, so I, this is a little bit of interactive. Kids and students, if you're in here, I need your help. Uh, raise your hand if you play sports of some sort. All right, so we have, we have quite a bit, so this, this should be good. So after a game or multiple games on a hot day, if mom and dad are in a really good mood, uh, where do you go? Who can help me out? Where do you go after a, a game or a, a really long day? Yes, in the back. Starbucks, all right, right here. Ice cream, all right, anybody else? We had, our first answer in the first service was Mexican, and I wasn't expecting that, but... Uh, <laughs> But yes, after, right here, yes, Ava. The concession stand at the ball field. Yeah, so the whole idea is that after you have endured the game and, and all of the heat and the sweat and the blood and the tears and everything that goes with it, it pays off in this moment of sweet relief, whether it's Starbucks, ice cream, or the concession stand, right? Uh, another question, how many of you get uh, some sort of reward for getting like straight A's on a report card? Anybody in here? A few? Yeah, yeah. So I got in trouble first service because I was revealing information that previously was unknown, but that you could get rewarded for that. Uh, but after nine weeks of studying hard and behaving in school and doing your best, there is a payoff in the form of some kind of reward. And there's this moment of relief that all that you've gone through up until this point, it was worth it. And especially right now in graduation season, that is the ultimate kind of payoff. All the hard work that you've done in school has paid off and you have graduated now. And it's that moment of relief of like, I've done it. I'm here. I'm, I've, I'm ready. And that's kind of what Paul is feeling here. I mean, Paul has been through a lot in his life. We covered a whole passage a couple weeks ago about all that he's been through. But in it, he says that he has been beaten up and left for dead. He's been shipwrecked. He's gone without food for days. He's been in constant danger from all kinds of people. He has been through a lot. 
And now here he is at the end of his life, and rather than being afraid of what death is going to bring, he feels relief because he knows that he's spending eternity with Jesus. And that is what is in store for him in the next life. Why? Because Jesus destroyed death. And during all this, Paul never blamed God for any of his sufferings. He knew that he was suffering because of the gospel. And he also knew that the evils of this world were what to blame for all of his, all of his sufferings. He never got angry with God. He never blamed God. He never cursed God. No, he was glad to suffer for the gospel. gospel. But I bet he was ready to suffer no more. And I hope we can adopt the same attitude that Paul has. The presence of sin in our world means that there will be good days and there will be bad. And unfortunately for some, there are more, good, or more bad days than good. But I hope that we don't blame God for our pain. But instead, long more for him and his presence. I hope the trials that we face make us appreciate Jesus more and more because it's because of him that this world and its imperfections aren't all that there is. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, Jesus destroyed death by taking out the sting. He was like the ultimate, like, baking soda, right? What does mom put on a sting, right? Baking soda. You take the sting out. Jesus was like the ultimate baking soda. I mean, we fear wasps or hornets or bees, but if you were to remove their stinger, well, then they wouldn't be as scary anymore. And that's what Jesus has done with death. By removing our sin, we no longer have to be scared of death because it means that we are headed to a place that is better than this. Because of Jesus, death means that we get to go somewhere with no more pain and no more tears, no more sickness, no more heartache. I mean, basically, you take all the bad stuff of this life and you throw it out and you take all the good stuff and multiply it by a million, and that's what we get because of Jesus. But unfortunately, for those that have never trusted Jesus for their salvation, they have to live with the harsh reality that death is going to sting twice, both in this life and in the next. And those that have put their hope in someone or something other than Jesus, when they they face that sad reality. Because of that, our world needs to hear the truth that Jesus has destroyed death and he is the only way to be saved. We are the ones that need to be telling them about it. Rather than condemning and judging the world, we should reach out to the world trying to tell them the only way to be saved is Jesus. So the world needs to know not only that Jesus destroyed death, but also that Jesus brought life. Paul wrote in verses 9 and 10, this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So what does this mean? What is life? What do we believe about life? Well, we live most of our days on this earth trying to answer that question, right? What is life? John Lennon once said, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. I like what Mae West says. She said, you only live once, but if you do it right, once is enough. And she's right. If you do it right, once is enough. 
But we chase after so many things during so many things during our days on earth, and none of them really satisfy the longing that's in our hearts. And so, what is life? What is the meaning of life? What should my life be about? What did Jesus bring that concerns me? And if you're a follower of Christ, what is our message to the world about it? Well, the older we get, and the more that we study, the more we realize that most of the world is just living in the dark. We just don't see things clearly. Jesus said in John 1.5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not understood it. But Paul said that Jesus brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And when Jesus brought eternal life, it, it lit up a dark world and brought us a new reality. There's a light at the end of the tunnel of darkness. His reality says that we are made in the image of God and that we are made for a relationship with God. A relationship that will never end, but go on for eternity. Our greatest pleasure and purpose is to know Him and enjoy Him both now and for eternity. Our message, our, our, our doctrine says that eternal life, it, it starts now. It doesn't start when you die because of Jesus, our life, our, the light of life starts now while we're still here. In John 10.10, Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so here is sound doctrine. Jesus has destroyed death and he has brought life. That is our sound doctrine that we base our lives on. That is the message that the world needs to hear. Jesus has destroyed death, and he has brought life. And so when Paul says you need to watch your life and your doctrine closely, well then how do we watch this doctrine closely? Well, to help us with the answer to that question, well, let's go back to our passage in 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to pick up at verse 13. Paul says, What you have heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And so to illustrate what, Paul, what I think Paul is saying here, I, I want you to think about uh, this person right here up on the screen. Uh, there he is. Uh, what is this person's profession? Who, what, what is his job? Who can tell me? I heard a lot of, like, mumbling, but uh, he is, uh, there we go, all right, all right, that is uh, the mail carrier, thank you, all right, so he brings the mail, right, he delivers the mail, but his job is really a three-part job when you break it down. He has to receive the mail, he has to guard the mail, and he has to deliver the mail. So you might think that that's his only job. He just gets a cool costume, but, uh, but he has a three-part job. And if we think about it, a mailman's job is a lot like our job when it comes to the gospel and, and to sound doctrine and to the message that we have to share with the world. And so let's, let's break it down for us. First, we have to receive it. We have to receive the message. We don't invent it. We don't create it. We don't get to make it up on our own. We just receive it. I mean, what if you came home one day and sitting there on your front stoop was your mailman? And you asked, uh, what are you doing? Shouldn't you be out like delivering people's mail? And he said, 
Well, uh, actually, I'm writing you a letter. I'm tired of bringing other people's letters to the neighborhood, so I'm just going to start writing them myself. I'm just, it's getting kind of old delivering other people's mail, so I'm just going to start writing letters to everybody in the neighborhood. And so later that evening, you open up your mailbox, and there's a letter from your mailman. And it's a nice letter. You read through it, and you find out about his life and his family and, well, some of his hobbies, things he likes to do. You read about his struggles and challenges, and he gives you really some great insight, a surprisingly great insight on how to handle similar problems in your own life and how to be healthy and happy and prosperous, and all from the mailman. Who would have guessed, right? And you think to yourself, man, I... I didn't know my mailman had all this insight into life's issues. He is a really smart guy. He should be like a therapist or something. This is great. And this goes on for a few days, and you realize that you haven't received any of your real mail in in the meantime. It's just his letters. And so you ask him about it. I'm kind of getting behind on my bills here. Where's my mail? I mean, I really appreciate your writing. It's great, but where is my other mail? Haven't you picked up my mail from the post office? And he says, oh, goodness, no, I'm too busy for that. I mean, do you know how long it takes to write all these letters to everybody? I, I barely have enough time for that. I can't pick up your mail as well. And in the end, your mailman may be a really great guy and has some really great insights. But if he isn't receiving your mail from the post office, then he's not a very good mailman, right? He's just not getting the job done that he was set forth to do. And we can chuckle about that, and it's kind of a silly scenario, but it's also too often true about what we sometimes like to do with the gospel. Instead of receiving what God has already given... We try to invent or create a message that we would rather share, something a little more, bit more palatable for those around us. And here Paul tells Timothy, uh, don't do that. You, you, you can't do that, Timothy. He said in verse 13, what you heard from me keep us the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. He didn't tell Timothy to, to write his own stuff or take what he had written and, and change it for a new generation or try to improve upon it and make it better. He told Timothy to take what he already had heard and keep it that way. And so we receive the message and then we have to guard it. Paul told Timothy to guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And one of our greatest dangers is not that we will abandon sound doctrine altogether, but that we'll slowly drift away from it because of the pressure put on us by the culture that's around us. See, they want us to change or adapt our message to make it easier for them to accept, to make it easier for them to hear. And three times in Paul's letter to Timothy, he refers to people who departed or wandered from the gospel and and its truth. And it's easy to get off course, to to drift, to wander, both as a person and a church. One of the roles of our elders here at Gateway is to make sure that that doesn't happen, that we stand firm on the truth. And part of their job, and well, really all of our jobs as part of the church, is to, to guard the truth and to make sure that we don't wander away from it. If the gospel isn't guarded by us, if it isn't guarded by the local church, then it will be lost to the world. I mean, who else is going to guard this truth? Who else is going to guard the message? If we're the ones receiving the message, 
then who else is going to guard it? So a good mailman, just like us, they receive the message, they guard the message, and then last, we have to deliver the message. In 2 Timothy 2.2, Paul told Timothy, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. God's delivery system for sound doctrine is people. It's all of us. We are the delivery system set forth by God. It's you and me. We are the mailman for this. That's the delivery method that God has chosen. And despite what some religions claim, God did not send the gospel through angels or it didn't magically appear on inscribed tablets. He has sent it through the hearts and the lives of his people. He has sent it through us. And that is why we have to be careful to to share it accurately and joyfully. This should be good news. And that is what it means to watch it closely. Do you want to become more useful to the Lord in the work of his kingdom? Then watch your life and watch your doctrine closely. And this is so important because as Paul warns Timothy, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, Brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. If we don't have a sound doctrine to stand firm on, then the world's going to come after you. And so we have to stand firm, and the world needs us to deliver the message of Jesus Christ to them. And in his life, Timothy is such a great example to each of us on how to be useful to the Lord in the work of his kingdom. He was tapped on the shoulder time and time again, and he always did what Paul and what God asked him to do. And I hope over the last several weeks that you started asking this question of how can I become more useful to the Lord in the work of his kingdom? Because we are the system that God has put in place to deliver the message. And if we aren't doing it, then who is? Right? You always hear this, if I'm not the one teaching my kids about certain things, then who is going to teach them? Well, if we're not going to teach the world about the gospel, then who's left to do it? If we're not going to be the mailman for the message, then the mail isn't getting delivered at all. And so I hope this morning, I hope throughout this whole series, you've been praying about this and say, God, I am making myself available. What does it look like for me to be useful? Each of us, I said earlier, each of us has been uniquely gifted and uniquely called to do work in his kingdom. And so don't compare yourself to somebody else because your calling and your gifting might be different than somebody else. We have all been created as masterpieces to do the good works for Christ Jesus. And so, so often when we start comparing ourselves to the person that's across the aisle or the person that's on Instagram, we get discouraged because we can't do what they can do. And we don't even look to see what our actual gifting might be. And we end up giving up instead. And so this morning, as we finish up this series, I hope that you'll walk away from this and open up your heart to God and say, I want to be useful to you. I know you have great things planned for me, great works planned for me, for your kingdom. What does it look like for me? This morning, I hope you'll walk away saying, Lord, how do I be more useful to you and the work of your kingdom? Let's pray.
Father, we thank you that we can gather here this morning and we can learn from your word. And I pray that we would stand firm on the sound doctrine that your son Jesus has destroyed death and he has brought each one of us life. I pray that that would be just a burden on us to share, that we would receive that message, we would not change it, but that we would stand firm on that truth and that we would guard it so that it wouldn't be changed to to be easier to handle, but that we would know that it is the truth and there is no wavering from it. And so, Father, I just, I pray that you would put it in us to deliver this message that we would feel a responsibility to tell those that are around us about the life-giving power of Jesus Christ. Because otherwise, there's nothing left after this world. Otherwise, they will feel the sting of death twice. And so, Father, we know that when we follow Jesus, the sting of death is taken out completely, and we will step into eternity with you and with him. So, Father, I pray that we wouldn't hold on to this message, that we would deliver the message to those around us in our families, at our workplace, in our community, and around the world. That we would know that we have the life, the the cure to this, this disease of death, and that we can share it with others and share it with the world. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to defeat death. And thank you for allowing us to be a part of the work that you're doing on this earth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning, if you never made the decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life, if you've not devoted your entire life to following him, then that is the the greatest decision you could make. And there's no better day than today to say, today is the day that I want to turn my life to him, turn my life over to him and make him the Lord of my life and follow him the rest of my life. The the truth of the matter is that Jesus is the only way. He is the only way to eternity. He is the only way to the Father. People might tell you other things, but the doctrine that we stand on says that Jesus destroyed death, Jesus gave life, but that he is the only way to that life. And so this morning, if you've never made that decision, I encourage you to come down forward and, and confess in front of all these people that I want to leave my old life behind to be a new creation in him come forward in baptism and show these people show everyone here that I'm ready for a new life and a new king if you've now already made that decision then I and you just need some prayer in your life right now maybe there's just a situation going on that you are just struggling with maybe it's the life of a loved one you just need some prayer right now I'll be right down front I'd love to pray with you if you're not comfortable with that, you can always come up to me after the service, and I would love to pray with you then, or anytime during the week, you can fill out our information card and send a prayer request in through that. Prayer is such a powerful tool. It's the ultimate tool, and we really believe in the power that it holds. So we would, we would love to pray with you and just help, just ask that God be in that situation that you're in right now. So whether it's a decision you have to make, or you just need some prayer, just ask that you stand and sing for our final song.